princess oh, tonight. Oh, it was a pleasure to be here, Mr. Bradley. We know how much this radio program contributes to the Motion Picture Relief Fund and its country house. And we all feel it's a great privilege uh, to share in that work. And now, before we tell you about next week's show, here's a word from one of America's best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Molly. Ladies, does your skin seem unusually dry right now? Does it feel sensitive, look a bit flaky? Can you feel little rough spots here and there? This may be nature's warning that your skin needs correction. What you are now using may not be right for your skin. Particularly for winter care, why not use my safe, gentle Lady Esther four-purpose face cream? The very texture of my Lady Esther cream is unique, especially designed to lubricate and soften your skin while it cleanses. Faithful use of my Lady Esther cream just works wonders on dry, sensitive, flaky skin. But remember, for cleansing, always use two applications, one immediately following the other. That's the way to get rid of that stubborn film which clogs pore outlets and keeps your skin from functioning normally. And if you will use it as a powder base, my unique Lady Esther cream will help protect your skin against dryness. Remember, my Lady Esther four-purpose face cream does four of the things your skin needs most. It cleanses thoroughly, softens your skin, helps nature refine your pores, and makes a perfect powder base. It needs no help from any other cream. Use my Lady Esther cream tonight and have softer, smoother, lovelier-looking skin tomorrow. Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present You Belong to Me. It will star Don Amici and Carol Landis. Be sure to listen, will you? Heavenly Days was produced and directed for Lady Esther by Bill Lawrence, adapted by Harry Cronman, and was presented through the courtesy of RKO, producers of the Technicolor picture Sinbad the Sailor, starring Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and Maureen O'Hara. Fibber McGee and Molly are heard on their own program each week, sponsored by the makers of Johnson Wax Products for home and industry. You save enough on the largest size jar of Lady Esther face cream to buy a box of Lady Esther face powder. So remember, ask for the largest size. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Tonight's Lady Esther Screen Guild program is being heard by our servicemen and women overseas through the worldwide shortwave and network facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther. Thank you and good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. February 10th, 1947. That was it. You do not get your NBC bongs on CBS. No, pretty tough. Isn't that interesting? I didn't even realize that before, that they crossed over to a different network. That's right. They sure did. Huh. I wonder how they engineered that. 
Well, they did it on Australia Theater. The couple times they were on Australia Theater, that was a CBS <laughs> show. That's right. They had some good shows there, too. They, they, they did suspense over there at CBS. CBS, suspense with CBS? Uh-huh. And ask me what the name of the show was. Patricia. Yes, Walden. What was the show on February 3rd, 1949? Is that when it was? That's when it was. Backseat Driver. Oh, you're so good. And I remember that because when I first heard it, obviously it was Jim and Mary and Jordan. There's no way that they could hide their voices. Yeah. And I kept waiting for a punchline. I didn't realize that it was a straight play. Mm -hmm. And it was a traditional suspense story. Mm -hmm. Traditional in the sense that it followed um, an anxious suspense type uh, storyline. And I thought if they were going to make a comedy out of it, and I kept waiting for the punchline and a laugh, and it never came. Well... They got you, didn't they? They got me. Yeah. Certainly did. Now, that was one show out of a string of special performances by actors and actresses who came in from other shows. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember why they did that lineup. Well, Suspense was doing a whole lot of com- comedians and things through the series in a, in a dramatic vein for a while. Right, but I can't remember why they did it. Well, probably could they have good ratings. And that's there wasn't why. any specific reason. I mean, it wasn't no. fundraising or anything no. like that. No, no, it was just good ratings. Just good ratings. Well, good they did rating. a good job, mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, people come. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me ask my three questions before these poor people lined <laughs> up. Um, three questions based on the show Heavenly Days, Screen Guild Players from February 10th, 1947. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Days. How did Fibber and Molly travel to Washington? Second question is, what terrible thing did Fibber do that got him kicked out of the Senate? And the third, who presented Fibber with an award as the nation's choice of the average man? 714-545-2071. Somebody's got the answers out there. Now, when we were on the phone for a couple of minutes before we came back at the end of the show... Or even before then, I don't remember. My brain is not doing well tonight. But I mentioned that the radio show was a lot more pleasurable for me to listen to than the movie was for me to watch. Were they similar in any way? Well, the storyline was very similar. They uh-huh. they were absolutely true to the storyline in the radio presentation. But the movie... Actually, it seemed to drag it out. It was a half an hour that they made into an hour-plus movie. And they could have accomplished it in 30 minutes, so maybe that was part of it. The other part was that I got to see Jim and Marion Jordan, and that may have been the first time I had seen them perform in something. And they did several movies, but The Heavenly Days was the first one that I saw. And when I saw them, they didn't come anywhere near to the image my brain had conjured up for both of them, and that was a disappointment. So I don't know if those things come together. Um, I, I just, it didn't look like Wistful Vista. It didn't, I mean, the, the characters, they just seemed out of place, probably because I only knew them through radio. Well, and that's probably why radio was so special. Well, it's why it's so special to me. Mm-hmm. 
because it's like a good book. You don't have pictures in a novel, but you've got a picture of who the characters are, if it's done well. I mean, some of them aren't done well at all. But if you've got a good writer in a good book, you know what these characters look like, mm-hmm. except the characters I have in my mind don't match what you would have in your mind mm-hmm. or what anyone else would have. They're individual. And I got wrecked. I, I suddenly got wrenched into reality. And I, it, they just didn't come close to what I had envisioned through the radio shows. So now after seeing it, are you able to go back to your regular picture? No, it was, I, I say no, I couldn't in this one. Mm-hmm. But when I go back to the radio shows, mm-hmm. the regular Fibber McGee and Molly shows, I can bring back what they're supposed to look like in my head. That's good. What I think they're supposed to look <laughs> like. Way. Now, somebody should have mentioned to them that they didn't match my perception. <laughs> but nobody did, and they couldn't have done anything about it. I, I saw Fibber as a skinny little squirt who was more like, um, well, just an excitable, skinny little squirt running up the stairs all the time. Molly, Molly. And he wasn't. He was a thick set. He wasn't tall, but I think he was taller than I envision with the characters on the radio. So anyway, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I really had a much better time with Heavenly Days on the radio than I did with Heavenly Days in the movie. That's good. Did you, did you see the movie first? Yes. So at least you saved the best for us. Well, you know, that's an interesting question because it, it would ordinarily be the other way around. Mm-hmm. If I saw the movie first, then the characters in the radio show shouldn't, they, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, they, because they wouldn't match what's in the movie. Mm-hmm. But of course... We know the characters of Fibber McGee and Molly from their show long before I saw this movie. So, I don't know. be interesting to hear if somebody else has some thoughts about that. If you've seen the movie Heavenly Days, which was a 1944 movie, and then tonight listen to the show, if you have differences in your brain, too. They just didn't match, Walden. They didn't match at all. Uh... Well, especially Molly. Uh huh. She just isn't the way she was supposed to be. Well, I guess that's just the advantage of uh, just being in radio. You didn't have to bother him that stuff. That's right. You didn't even have to comb your hair. No. Although she did every single shot I have ever seen of the cast of rehearsal, uh, and these were not staged. These were actual rehearsals where the pictures were taken. And I wonder, I suppose if they knew ahead of time it would have made a difference, but she was absolutely perfectly dressed. Not pizzazz and right. nightclub type stuff, but a really nice dress, always heels, and the rest of the women were always in dresses and heels. Well, I think I remember hearing, I think, Shuri Mitchell or uh, um, Elvia Allman say that Marion always makes sure she got, you know, her haircut the, the day of the of the broadcast. So, uh-huh. so it, it really was important. Now, uh-huh. I wonder if the pictures that were taken were taken at 
rehearsal on Tuesdays, which would mean she would be prepared to go in front of the audience later after the rehearsal. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, they were sitting around. There's one picture where they're sitting in a semicircle,、mm-hmm. and I'm guessing it's Don Quinn, who has kind of the the head table, <laughs> <laughs> conducting the meeting. Um. But it wasn't. It wasn't a, a microphone rehearsal. A table read then. It was a table read.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it was a lap read. He was the only one who had the table. They just sat there with scripts in their hands, which would be, in effect, the same thing.、It、looked a whole lot more organized than what I have seen at different times with groups rehearsing around a table. It's just they're they're terribly behaved. They they misbehave a lot. I get the sense that the radio people were a lot more civil than what happens in television rehearsals. Yeah, well, you know, they, in a lot of ways, they didn't have a lot of time. That's right. I mean, they they had to get it done week to week. Yeah, they didn't have scripts two and three weeks in advance. No, they got them if they were lucky a couple of days in advance. Right, if that. If they were lucky, yeah. Yeah. Seven one four. Five four five two zero seven one. Give Patricia a call. And let me know. What、though? did Fibber and Molly get to Washington? What terrible thing did Fibber do to get him thrown out of Washington? <laughs> And who presented Fibber with an award as the nation's choice of the average man? Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. Give us a call. Give us a call if you're not listening. <laughs> a little slow tonight. Maybe <laughs> Nolan will call and have a blooper for us. It's almost Nolan time. Okay, Life of Riley. I have a question for you. The Life of Riley was on TV, transferred over to TV. Yeah. Who was the first? Riley in the TV series. Um, that was Jimmy Gleason. Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason. You are so right. You are good. That was television. You weren't supposed to know. I know. I know. But I heard enough of people talk about it. He was terrible.、Years. And he did one radio version. Did it? Oh, that's right. I remember now. Yeah, I haven't heard it yet, but he he. He'd done at least one. I remember hearing that. I never would have remembered that with, without you.、Mm-hmm. But anyway, Chester A. Riley was played by William Bendix on the radio,、mm-hmm. and after Jackie Gleason's short run, he went over to television as well. He was a good television person. What a revolting development this is! What a revolting development this is! Yeah, <laughs> and he always got his words mixed up. They were、oh, yeah. backwards, like Fibber would do. Yeah. But he was a good television,、uh, it, uh, a good television Riley. He had the facial expressions. He had the body and the build that matched his radio persona. And I guess it came from the fact that he was in movies. He came out of movies. Yep. He from stocking shelves in a grocery store into the movie business. Yep. Did he do any、um, plays? Did he do any stage? Well, you happen to have your radio stars book handy? Maybe. I cleaned up my office. Hold on. 
I think he did, but that book might be the best, best antidote to help us out. Oh, well, then I cleaned my office. Hold on just a minute. You keep talking for a second. All I right. will find it. I know where it is. This is Wong Zhu, and that's Polly. <laughs> stupid Polly, who, well, not really stupid. No. She's just gullible. She's lovable. And gullible. She just, she's so smart. And gullible. I have her on a good contract. She's just <laughs> with me for the rest of my life. I lost my book. Well, that's okay. Well, isn't this awful? You know, I, I keep saying I file in piles, and I really do. And I know precisely where everything is. It's just in a big old pile. And I clean up and look what happens. That's right. You did you did clean your office last weekend. Every inch of carpet is, is visible. It's beautiful. This is just terrible. You vacuumed everything last Sunday. Yes, I did. And it threw your whole week off. It did. Oh, Walton, this is terrible. I don't have my book in front Oh, well. Maybe you have to go look for it next week. Maybe when we hang up. You'll find it. <laughs> it's under the phone. Oh, wait a minute. Here it is. It's on my desk. Oh, God. See? I knew it. I knew it. You're so smart, Polly. Uh, well, it was sticking out here. <laughs> <laughs> I went looking in the place where it was before, and it's yeah. not there any longer. All right. William Bendix. William Bendix. Okay, William Bendix started without he started without any advantages, but was lucky and successful as an actor, and to borrow the title of his popular comedy drama, The Life of Riley. For many long and lean years, how does how do you get a long year? They, they they add extra days to it. Or a young age. Mm. Untimely death. What in heaven's name is a timely death? Okay, let's see. For many long and lean years, Bendix struggled on the fringes of his profession. Cabaret jobs, hmm. federal theater projects. Mm -hmm. So that would have been during the war, yeah. right? No, uh, 30s. Before the war? Yeah, the, the government... Um, for actors, they had the federal theater project. That's where Orson Welles and a lot of those guys kept body and soul together in the federal theater com uh, theaters. Oh, now see, I thought that was um, that was part of the works projects in in the in the FDR administration. Yeah, it was, but it was in the 30s, not during the war. Not during the war. Uh huh. Okay, so we did cabaret jars, federal theater projects, and summer stock until the theater guild cast him. In the time of your life, his first real break. He then gained film parts, good guy and bad guy characterizations. His lovable Chester Riley was a radio favorite that brightened ABC and NBC lineup. They, he did uh, the show crossed cross lines, uh -huh. cross networks. Boy, an awful lot of the shows did that. I know. You wouldn't you wouldn't hear of it in television. I know. There is no such thing as crossing to another network. That's well, true. maybe there is, but I can't remember one. <laughs> That's true. Are, sure. A couple of went from one news station to another. Mm -hmm. They crossed over that way. Mm -hmm. But I don't know about regular shows. Did a show die on one network and get picked up by another? Probably. Uh, but I'm no expert in TV. I'm not an expert in anything. You are, too. <laughs> Food. 
We didn't mention food tonight. I know. I know. Okay, well, that's where he got his his uh, background and experience. See? He did theater projects and summer stock, so he did have some background before he got to radio. See? And he got to radio before he got to movies. See, you're so smart. How about that? Well, sure, I'm reading it. <laughs> Anybody can be smart when it's in a book. <laughs> you get to read it. You don't even have to study it. Uh, it's stuff. Yeah. So William Bendix was a, a good person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And smell and Profile timed intervention. Okay. The sponsors on radio. One, two, three, four, five. I have five sponsors listed for the life of Riley. Ah, uh, now yeah, wait a minute because they do TV and radio. Oh, let Hmm. Let's see. First of all, final episode, radio episode, aired in 1951. Mm -hmm. So after that must have been television. Okay, so all of these are, are radio sponsors. There right. are five. Mm -hmm. Name three. Well, the, uh, the Meat Association. Yes! Oh, gosh, I never would have gotten that one. Um, Paps Blue Ribbon Beer. Very good. Uh, Prell, Prell Shampoo. Huh? Um, you got your three. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I You're can... You're going to go for the big one. I'm trying to think if I can think of any of the others. You'll recognize them when I tell you. I bet I do. But they were short-lived. So. Uh, what were they? RCA? Teal. Yeah, yeah. And Frisk. And Drift. Yep, yep, Drift and Teal, yeah. But they were two very short ones. Well, actually, they were all pretty short. Mm-hmm. 43 to 44 was the Meat Institute. Right. 45 to 46 was Teal, Dentifrice. I don't know what happened in between there. Drift was 47. Prell picked up in 47 and stayed until 49, and then Paps Blue Ribbon Veer picked it up in 1949. Now, most of the shows that are memorable from an advertising standpoint were the Paps Blue Ribbon, and I think, I know they did, they had a jingle. You got it. It, it did. They but, had uh, a jingle. And also Prell. Prell Shampoo had one. They had a female uh -huh. singer. Prell, Prell, Prell Shampoo. And uh, they, they had an Irish, uh, Irish uh, jingle for the uh, Pat Boo ribbon. Yeah, yeah, it was a working man's. Uh huh. Type. Whoever wrote it wrote it for the correct audience. Right. And I think it was the only one of the sponsors that Chester A. Riley taught. Well, or William Bendix. I'm not sure which voice he was speaking in, but he would be part of the ad. Right, he was. He was. And it well, was with, what kind of beer you have? Yeah, Blue Ribbon. Uh, yeah. So that made, all of those came together and made the Paps Blue Ribbon more memorable than the others. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I, I don't think I've ever heard one of the shows from 43 or 44 whenever the Meat Institute was in there. I didn't ever hear I did not ever hear. Your mom would be pleased with that one. I did not ever hear. Oh, well, see, you went to school. I never heard, which would have been the simpler way to say it. I, I have not heard an American Meat Institute show. 
in the life of Riley. We have a Christmas show. That's why I make sure I know about 44, so. Uh-huh. Uh, it's one of those times when they, you know, they had the meat packings or whatever sponsor show, mostly to promote the industry, I guess. But the PS here, mm-hmm. 1943 to 1944, they were rationing meat. Yeah, and that's probably why they still had... But that's probably why they just wanted people not to forget to eat meat when it ever became available again. Yeah. They saw I had the Railroad Hour had their show. And mm-hmm. The uh, GM had their I, classical music show during the war with no cars to sell. Yeah. I keep going back to the jockey shorts. Uh-huh. That ad, and it was a print ad in a magazine, will be with me forever. Jockey has gone to war. The Marines are wearing your jockeys. Take care of yours until the war is over. <laughs> That was the essence of the entire message. Uh-huh. It wasn't the essence. It was the entire <laughs> message. Let me see where it went. Well, Judy, and you don't ever hear anything like that being done today. Anything like what? A commercial written for the industry rather than rather than for a particular to promote a certain product. Well. I don't think that's quite true okay. right now. Let me think. Um, there, There is an ad for corn syrup as a corn product, not Good. as part of a product. Good. Uh, oh, uh, uh, now another one. At the meat council, uh, you know, steak for dinner, beef uh-huh. for dinner. Yeah, that's another one. And eggs. Yeah, eggs. Dairy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they are. Okay, um, let me let me blow this up to a more readable. I have the Marines in the jockey shorts here. <clears throat> okay, the Marines come first. That's why jockey midways are scarce. We have made huge quantities for the Marines, and until their requirements are filled and our production for other military needs completed, few jockeys are available for civilians. Actually, the Marines needed so many so fast that other mills helped to supply them by making Y-front garments for them under our patents. We hope you, our customers at home, will be able to make your jockeys last until you can find them at your dealers. You will appreciate, we are sure, that while this condition lasts, we are serving your best interest by serving the Marines first. No, we are serving you best in serving the Marines first. It was a well-written ad. I can't imagine that amount of copy ever appearing in an ad today. I mean, it's a hit-and-run, four words. If it's longer than that, nobody wants to read it. But they've got some wartime pictures mm-hmm. that went, went along with it. It must have been a, a half-page ad because it's a long vertical. Mm-hmm. So it was probably a vertical half-page. And it was put out by an individual company called Cooper's in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jockey Midway. Maybe was Cooper's the manufacturer of Jockey? Don't know. And Jockey was just one of their products, perhaps. All we think about Cooper is Cooper, Ohio, were I think one of the tire companies for uh, Cooper, Ohio, I didn't know. Akron, I knew. Yeah. 
Akron, but, Ohio. But I, I'm trying to think what Myers. good rates for one of those famous tire companies were in Cooper, Ohio. Huh. Didn't know that. Yep. I, and I can't remember where in, in Ohio Firestone was located. And, and maybe that's what I'm thinking of Firestone. I don't know. Maybe I was thinking Firestone in Cooper, Ohio. In Cooper? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that was the story with the jockey shorts, and I, I just thought that was extraordinary to pay that much for an ad to tell people their shorts aren't available. So don't and it was to keep people from asking for them. From not only uh, from asking for them, but to let them know that the people weren't forgotten and they were going to get their products later. Mm-hmm. Just hang with us. Amazing. So there we go. There we go. Amen. Boo bear. Boo boo. Boo boo bear. We do boo boo very well. Oh. There. Where did Yogi Bear go? He went to Shelly Stone National Park. That's where he lived. Where? What did he do? He he took a picnic basket and hired from Ranger Smith. He would take a picnic basket. Ranger Smith. He would take picnic baskets from the tourists and try to hide them from Oh, Rangers. that's right. Yeah. Uh, that was a good cartoon. Uh, Yogi Bear. <laughs> hey, boo-boo. <laughs> we have to get a picnic basket. <laughs> okay, boo-boo. <laughs> 714-545-2071. Help us before Walden goes off the wall. Uh-huh. Okay, here is the banana slug mascot. Uh. It's kind of, it's kind of cute, dressed up in his uniform. <laughs> it's got a picture of him in his uniform, and uh-huh. he looks like a slug with a football shirt. Uh-huh. Yeah, no shell. This is a mollusk with no shell. How can you be a mollusk without a shell? I don't know. Isn't that interesting? A mollusk without a shell. I thought you could only be a mollusk if you had a shell. Now I have to go do more homework. Okay, it's commonly found on the Redwood Forest floor, and it was the unofficial mascot for UC in Santa Cruz co-ed team since the university's early years. The students embraced a lowly creature was their response to the fierce athletic competition fostered at most American universities. Who are we talking to? Uh, hello, John. Boo Boo Boo. Hey, well, now you're done. <laughs> Fine, Jay. This is Boo Boo. <laughs> yeah, I had to call you. You made me laugh. <laughs> How you doing, Boo Boo? You want to pick a nick, basket? <laughs> How are you? Oh, good. How you doing? Oh, I'm fine. What's happening? We're asking everybody about weather tonight. It's What's we're, cold? <laughs> we're down to 39 here, so I just can only imagine what you're doing up there. Uh, I think the forecast was for like eight tonight, but I'm, uh, that's what it was last night, and it was actually at my house. It was below zero. Ooh. <laughs> I use a uh, have an infrared thermometer. Uh, it's a fluke meter that you basically point it at something that really gives you a temperature of it. Uh huh. And so after daylight. Uh, Still very small in terms of total percentage, but each year the number of female bank robbers increases. 
called Equality. I guess so, man. Yeah. Now, this one is kind of sad. 